The Archetypal Tarot Podcast explores universal human patterns called archetypes by investigating the major arcana of the ancient tarot. We recognize these archetypes because they are present in our own life stories, myths, and culture. Each card represents a stage of the journey for understanding the greater story of our lives. Hello, my name is Sindera Quackenbush, and you're here for the first Archetypalist and Tarot Dreamstone podcast, where we will be starting with The Fool today. So I am Sindera Quackenbush, and I am writing a new blog on Tarot Dreamstone, and I'm here with Julianne Javot. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself, Julianne? Hi, uh, my name is Julianne Javot, and I am a consultant who works uh, specializing in archetypes and archetypal patterns. And those basically, in my practice anyway, we are using uh, what we call the personal archetypes. And the fool is definitely one of those. And uh, what I do for my clients is help them look at their life um, through the lenses of archetypes, which are these uh, universal patterns that we all work with. And to help them use those archetypes um, in their lives, uh, hopefully to make them better, help them in their careers, help them in their lives. And my motto is use your powers for good. And I think one of the best ways to identify those powers, the special gifts that we've got, is through archetypal patterns. Great. And it is so exciting for me to be doing this podcast with you because uh, through my Tarot Dreamstone practice, I do tarot readings. And uh, the tarot is just a, an amazing way to experience the archetypes through imagery and uh, the method that I use, a projective technique, is... Uh, allowing the my clients to look at the images and draw on their own personal wisdom uh, before we bring in the interpretations and uh, knowledge of these archetypes. So I would encourage the listeners of this podcast, uh, before you hear what we're about to talk about, about the fool, uh, is to pull out your nearest tarot deck and to take a look at that card, that first card, uh, the zero card of the fool. And this is a card of the major arcana of the tarot. And in order, you can see the cards of the tarot as a journey, a hero's journey. And the fool is kind of introducing us to who we are, who the hero is when they set out on any new escapade, whether that be a new relationship, uh, a new career decision or project. Uh, so today we're going to be learning about this very, very interesting card. I just love this card. Um, and uh, so going from this place of what you see, we're going to just have a, an introduction to the Fool uh, as an archetype. So Julian, what do you know about the Fool? Um, the Fool, I think you touched on it as well, as has a lot to do with beginnings. Um, and the way I, when I, I talk with my clients about the fool, um, beyond the obvious sort of being funny and being a comedian, the trickster, is that the fool is kind of a dyslexic hero. You know, they don't always just set out to go on, on a great journey. It happens by falling down, making a mistake, maybe, you know, saying a joke that didn't quite work, but they're, they're over the cliff at that point. And there's a sense of freedom with the fool. Um, whether they know it or not. Oftentimes, um, the images of the fool, they're blindfolded yeah. or they're walking backwards. So it's that part of us that 
you know, the, the fool's errand, the fool's journey, where you just, you feel foolish, but it led to so many different things. It's that falling on your face, sort of with a project or with an idea or a relationship that then brings you to a completely different level of understanding about yourself or the situation. And that could not have happened had the fool not taken that risk or said that one word or one joke or whatever it was that led you to that. So there's, um, it's kind of a backwards entry into the hero's journey that, that is the mark of the fool. That's right. And we see that so many times when we see a film or uh, other story or read another story is that the, this main character in the beginning may not or usually does not have any idea of what they're getting into when they start off on a new journey. And it had they known maybe all the trials they would have to go through, they would not have set out. So they have to be blind. They have to be blindfolded um, to uh, everything that's going to happen in setting out. Uh, and I'm sure many uh, listeners can relate to when have you uh, started a relationship and had no idea what you were going to experience. Um, and but finding that there was something to very much learn from whatever happened in that relationship, whether it turned out for good or ill or you became friends in the end. Were you happy that you set out on that journey in the first place? Absolutely. And I think that's a part of part of the fool as well is there's a resiliency that comes in with the humor, the ability to laugh at yourself, the ability to make a joke about it later. Um, to kind of use that that creative part of of this archetype of the fool to um, to kind of bounce back from something and to kind of get it later and there's that that risk taking or or I think in a way the fool doesn't realize they're making as much of a risk or you know they're taking as much of a risk as they originally they don't think about it it's mm -hmm. sort of like oh, I'm gonna go do this and then see what happens but after that there is a sense of resiliency because there's an ability right. to to laugh at it. And the fool rules quick decisions. There's not a lot of thought put into this. And so we, we see the fool in a blindfold, and we, we also see him close to the edge of a cliff. Tell me a little bit about that state of affairs of, of being close to the edge or boundary. Or not realizing that you are and just <laughs> <laughs> stepping backwards over it. I kind of think a wily e. coyote in a lot of ways is that, mm -hmm. that image of over the cliff, realizing that you're just about to fall and holding up the sign that says, yikes! Sort of that, like, <laughs> I'm over the edge now. And, and there it goes. I think there's such a, it's like a nanosecond of, of realization that like, oh my God, I've just made a fool of myself. I'm up over the cliff now. But the ability, and again, that kind of resilience to be like, you know, it's holding that yikes sign up. Yikes! That's funny. That's a moment of just being completely free and just letting everybody know, hey, I'm a fool. Mm -hmm. and kind of owning it and um, I think a lot of the people I work with and for myself it's that sense of being able to sort of own that pattern and and for the full it's that yikes moment of like oh okay yeah I own this uh -huh. as part of that and that opens the door to make a joke about it or you realize that you can entertain you might have just pulled a major bummer but you can reflect back out to the world that you're not going to take yourself so seriously. And that's such a beauty, beautiful thing about the, the fool's state of mind is that there's, there's nothing to lose. The fool travels light. He's got just a knapsack on his back. Um, and he's really just open to the, the wide road in front of him. And he's willing to risk anything and everything uh, for the sake of this, this bigger adventure. 
Um, so that is an exciting part of, of bringing the fool into our lives. How have we gotten too trapped in the things that we uh, own or that we're, we're attached to bringing into our lives? And, and when can we invite that, that foolishness back into our life where really anything could happen? Anything could happen. And um, it's, it's funny. I wanted to just point out that I think when we talk about archetypes, we will <clears throat> tend to choose either the masculine or the, the feminine. And mm -hmm. that is almost always reflected in the worldview of that archetype. Um, when I'm speaking with my clients um, about an archetype, say like the fool or the lover, and, and we start to use the word he, even if the client's mm. a woman, um, I point out that um, masculine and fe feminine in and of themselves, are they're, they're just a form, they are an archetype. And we will associate either masculine or, or, or feminine um, with an archetype based on how it moves out into the world, whether it's active and moving out, which is more masculine, or whether it's more uh, about community and receptivity. Um, and that's more on the feminine side. And we do refer to the fool as being masculine, but that has absolutely nothing to do with whether somebody is a man or a woman or whatever gender they identify with or not. It does have an innate state of um, some kind of either masculine or feminine. Mm, yeah, so, so not taking that too literally and seeing that um, as a symbol. But I think of the fool as kind of being the, the, the major one that the rest of them sort of come from. The rest can be derivations of them. And related but separate is the trickster. I think they, the trickster and the fool do share a lot of, a lot of traits. And when, um, when I'm uh, talking about archetypes in the way that my work kind of moves out into the world, um, I refer to them as being a, a mandala of not only behaviors and personality, but motivation, what motivates us, and also our relationship to power. And the, the fool is really interesting in its motivation um, in that not only because of the new beginnings and its ability to sort of fall into situations, um, but its motivation to communicate and entertain. Um, and the fool, the jester, Throughout history, they have been a character, they've been an archetype that it has an innate ability to speak truth to power. So within the realm of a king or queen's court, it was the fool that could say what needed to be said. Mm -hmm. um, in, the, in the modern context, it's the person in the board meeting or the meeting at work that has the ability to just kind of call stuff like they see it in a humorous way. Um, I have I have a client who definitely has the fool, and she has you know occasionally got in trouble with this archetype. But her ability to be in a meeting and maybe make a joke about something that brings a truth mm -hmm. to the group and to the powers at large is extremely valuable. And she has told me that um, after meetings, she's had colleagues come up and say, "I'm so glad you said that. We were all <laughs> thinking it, and we knew it needed to be said." So again, there's something heroic mm. about the fool and using their wit and their wisdom to be able to to call something out that other people were afraid to. And more than likely, their ability to wrap that in humor yes. gets the point across in a way that. Um, other archetypes just aren't able to manage. That's right. It, it makes sometimes difficult truths palatable. Through laughter, it diffuses the situation and everyone can come to it together. 
exactly and that's I mean all th throughout history you can see that that the that the court jester even though everyone made fun of them or whatever they had the king or queen's ear and mm -hmm. they they were as much a part of helping the uh, the king or queen rule the realm as any of the other members of their their inner circle right and they could get away with almost saying everything. almost everything I'm sure more than a few were beheaded by going too far <laughs> but that's also another part of this archetype is mm -hmm. that are you gonna go too far Right, so you're right at the edge, and and you mentioned trickster uh, as a, a, a sort of parallel archetype with the fool card, and I'm thinking now, I'm, I'm as we're talking right now, I'm getting a lot of this roadside imagery, and I'm thinking of the uh, what were called herms in ancient Greece, mm -hmm. which is where the god Hermes came from, or Mercury, this uh, trickster god in Greece, mm -hmm. um, and he originally came from these. Uh, stones that were placed at crossroads um, and as travelers would come by they would put food offerings uh, near these herms and because Hermes was the god of theft travelers could justify stealing from uh, these uh, stones because this was all in the archetype of, of thievery and He's the god of theft, and he wants me to be nourished so I can steal from this as well. So tricksters are the gods of the crossroads. So any moment in your life where things are completely being switched up, um, or that there's a choice of which path to go down, and, and, and a very much a sense of the unknown through that choice, uh, that's where the trickster comes in. And also we're, we're getting images and the, the archetypes, which are also in your... Uh, Carolyn misses cards the the beggar and the thief these are all uh, aspects uh, to the the fool card um, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on this I think the uh, the overlap one of the overlaps that I'm kind of seeing for the fool and the trickster that they are separate but the way that they relate is that that sense of that sense of freedom where the trickster will will always go for the trick. It will always go for turning things upside down and turning the tables. I think the fool just uses that as part of its way of going about things, but wouldn't always mm -hmm. use the turning the tables or tricking something or stealing something. But it's really it it the fool uses the trickster in its bag of tricks, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. But it, it doesn't always go for the tricking of things and turning things around, which is I think really at the fulcrum of the trickster archetype. The fool basically uses trickster tactics, hmm. but doesn't always kind of go back to those. Would you say that the fool almost has more of an innocent quality, a naive quality, and that the trickster can be more um, uh, deliberate? I think definitely there's, I mean, between the two, the, uh, the naivete of the, of the fool does stand it apart um, from from being the trickster, and the fool also likes to entertain. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the the trickster is entertaining itself. Basically, it doesn't necessarily um, matter that everyone else gets amused by it because I think the trickster likes to entertain itself, and the fool the fool's going to make themselves laugh. But there is definitely a, a requirement of having some sort of audience uh -huh. um, in that, and. Uh, the you know the other derivations like the the clown and the comedian absolutely require an audience. Um, there's there's something about the fool too of of masking sort of 
the, their own deeper emotions, when you bring it down to the personal level with the fool, they might be in pain, they might have just sort of like done something that they're not proud of or whatever, and they'll make a joke mm -hmm. to partially set other people uh, you know, at ease with whatever just happened, but also to try to set themselves at ease. It's sort of like, I'm really uncomfortable, I'm gonna make a joke. That's how they sort of diffuse situations. So it can mm -hmm. be, it could be a masking of how they, they themselves feel, because it's just uncomfortable in the moment and it's easier to make a joke. Um, there's something self-deprecating about the mm -hmm. fool and then the related clown and comedian and, and jester there as well. And this really brings it back to our personal stories again with the fool is that that there is an audience required it's uh, to be a fool is not an internal experience. Not to keep, solely, yeah. Right, to, to keep it all to, uh, risks inside uh, you won't be looking like a fool because you're the only audience. Uh, so this 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 risk-taking in the outward, which also connects to this masculine link, mm -hmm. um, uh, really brings it into uh, the foolishness by being outward with it, taking the risk to look like a fool. Um, and I think that's what comedians do so much of the time, that they have to be instantaneous, they have to be confident with the decisions that they make. And it may be funny or they may look like fools. They might, exactly. And that's, um, yeah, there's always, there's an empowered side to every archetype um, and there's an um, disempowered or unempowered part of, part of the archetype. And I think for the fool, obviously the empowered side is that you can entertain, you can speak truth to power, you can um, be present in a way um, that other other people might not be because you, you're on that, that risky edge of what are you going to say next and kind of treading that edge um, isn't isn't necessarily something that's innate to other to other archetypes. It is to some, but for the fool, that is part of it, sort of its empowerment, kind of to get a point across, to take those risks. The um, obviously the the unempowered side is um, you know falling into the trap of taking those risks and then just feeling foolish, falling mm. into shame mm -hmm. or being cruel with your jokes, going right. too far right. um, and not actually practicing your craft as a fool to, to be able to you know, stay on that edge without falling into cruelty or mockery or in a way that's going to that's gonna injure um, or to injure the self, to really go so far that you get so ashamed of what you've done that you can't, you don't have that sense mm. of resilience, but that's, that's that unempowered side. Right. And archetype. you bring up such an excellent point that, uh, and this is something we'll be doing with each of these cards, is exploring what their light and dark sides are, their, their shadowy sides, as well as how they can be empowering and mm -hmm. so forth. So great. Thank you for bringing that in. I want to kind of talk about some uh, fool archetypes that I've seen um, it's a pretty common archetype, so it's you could, mm -hmm. you know, point a stick and you'll probably find a movie or a book or something that uses this archetype. Um, the ones that kind of come to mind for me, there's there's certain actors that are just amazing fools. They really can, can fully connect to this archetype, and I think of uh, Robin Williams as being a really excellent example. Obviously, he's a comedian. You know, he's an actor, an artist, a professional. Those are all archetypes. But when he shows up. More often than not, you're going to see the fool first thing. Um, 
I think of, well, it's one of my favorite movies actually by Terry Gilliam, and that's The Fisher King. And there's, within this film, um, Robin Williams is obviously going through many different archetypal patterns, but the fool is definitely in the foreground. And you see this sort of tragic part of his life. And, and you know, his wife and, and child were killed. And, um, you know, he goes to live on the, he's living on the street. And he's basically kind of gone nuts. He's gone into this sort of, you know, madness with things. But it's his fool, as well as his knight, um, that are on lead. And his ability to um, point out the, the, the larger truths and to really poke into things. Mm. And he's also masking his own pain. So we have that, the, the both sides of the fool, where they are, they are, you know, tripping into one adventure after another, entertaining people, saying things he needs to say, and also all the while kind of masking his own pain. That that, that pain in his tragedy is, is underneath that. And mm. you really see the full cycle um, of, of the fool throughout that film. And to kind of contrast that into more sort of, you know, non, non-theater, non-theatrical experiences of the fool, I think of Jon Stewart as being a pretty incredible, you know, I mean, he's kind of the, the most relevant jester fool archetypes. Um, he has the ability to really point out and really call things as, as he and his writers of the show see it. Um, within the context of humor that mm-hmm. gets it across, I think, to a lot of people. And I think that's one of the reasons we really enjoy Jon Stewart is he's playing he's the, his ability to go there and make mm-hmm. us laugh about it. But at the same time, we're laughing because it's funny and we're laughing because it's true right. and it's sad. It really kind of owns the full archetype. And thanks to shows like this, this has uh, brought a tremendous amount of the youth culture into becoming aware of what's going on in the world is because through humor, they can, they, they feel like it's relating to them um, and expressing how they're, they're feeling about politicians, um, politics at large, and uh, being able to laugh at these things. It's a, it's a joining point for a lot of people to become aware of what they may have not uh, tuned into before. Absolutely. Um, another thing before we wrap up, I'd like to bring attention to with the Fool card uh, is that you'll often see in a lot of uh, different decks, uh, the Fool is pictured with a little dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he, you see this blind man uh, with a blindfold uh, stumbling dangerously close to the edge of a cliff, but he's always accompanied by a little creature, a little dog. Uh, that is, in a way, kind of jumping up on him and saying, whoa, watch out for that cliff. And the way that this has been interpreted is that uh, this is the fool's instinctual side. Uh, This is the part of himself that uh, won't let him go over that edge, that the fool may be taking a risk, uh, but... He is, he is protected by his instincts because he's in tune with his animal nature and his childlike nature as well. Uh, have you come across this or have any thoughts on this? You know, it's funny. I think of um, the, when I first think of the symbol of the dog, um, I think of loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know in many, many cultures in my studying in anthropology and symbology that the dog represents that um, loyal sense of and a companion. And you know you'll see it basically in in almost any film. You've got Dorothy, you know, in mm-hmm. Toto. Um, you've mm-hmm. got the dogs in Up. That there is a sense of companionship and loyalty 
um, and, and, a, and an animal in, instinct of mm-hmm. that sort of protective. Right. Um, dogs are often uh, uh, seen as protectors. You'll see them on temples. You'll see them in castles. And uh, most great societies have had, um, either literally had dogs within their, their quarter. They use the symbol of dogs with that sense of loyalty. And within the, the symbology of the tarot card for the fool and then the dog being present there, I really see that sense of, you know, being loyal to yourself and being loyal to whatever you're called to do mm. um, there. I like that interpretation. Yeah. And so the, the fool's uh, open-ended lifestyle, his connection, really his kind of earthy connection because he's, he's not bound up within the walls of society. Uh, he really gets to exercise his, his loyalties to things that are larger and his instincts. Uh, and to really go where not many have gone before. So I think we're just about to wrap up um, with our first podcast. First ever. And so uh, Julianne and I are kind of like fools starting out on this (laughs) podcast journey. So uh, it is really wonderful um, for you to have tuned in to our first podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. Our next episode explores the second card of the tarot, the archetype of the magician. For more information on Sundara's work, please visit www.tarotdreamstone.com. For more information on Archetype Consulting, please visit archetypist.com. That's A-R-C-H-E-T-Y-P-I-S-T.com. Thanks for listening.